This is Everything Elite, the world's first and best AW podcast. It's me. It's me. It's AP. That's what I said the first time, but I apparently was had muted myself, so that was good. Hey, I'm back. I have electricity, uh, which is very nice. Uh, and so I'm here to do the podcast, joined as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, Aaron. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, did did the Positivity Era DDP have another catchphrase, or was that the one? That, that's it, I think, right? It's me, it's me, it's DDP. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was the big one. Just I'm imagining his big smiling face. You remember when DDP stalked The Undertaker's Wife? The Undertaker's wife, Sarah. Sarah, Sarah Undertaker. Sarah. I do remember that vividly. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't remember what the story was, but I was, I'm sure it was something dumb in a DM I was telling my wife, Sarah, about. And I said, Nate. And she was like, Nate? Like, Epitasis? That's weird. That's my... That's my my defining, my determining Nate factor <laughs> differentiates me from the other Nates. Yeah, no, none of the other ones uh, are called Epitasis on Twitter. Um, Mike is also here. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. Uh, y- you see, there are too many Mike Spearses, Nate. So the fact that you're just Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis, probably makes things a lot easier. You know, when you want to differentiate between. Right. Except it is, it's a weird word to say, because I'm not really confident in its pronunciation. Of course, when, uh, when Aaron is talking to his wife about you, Mike, she says, Iron Mike Spears, my old pal. She, no, she I, says, Fuji, hey, <laughs> oh. <laughs> the, And then she goes the, with two eyes. The dragon system expert? With two eyes. <laughs> yes. All that's true. Cl- that's classic Sarah for you. Yeah. <laughs> does uh does Sarah has Sarah ever seen Sarah Undertaker? Uh, I don't know, but I have for years uh, made. Th- you know, I used to have Sarah tattooed on his throat. The Undertaker. I guess he still does, but it's just been covered up. So I've just made that joke for a long time of Sarah. It's just like how he would say it. So oh, I thought I, you were going to say you were, you would joke that you are going to get a tattoo of her name on your throat. No. So I was uh, getting tattooed recently, as you might know. And I was saying, you know, that uh, because of my job, can't really go throat tattoo or hand tattoo. And the tattoo artist was saying, well, you know, the throat sucks pretty bad anyway. So, you know, not a bad thing. And uh, upon reflection, I think I'm way too big of a coward to get my throat tattooed regardless. Oh, that sounds like literal torture. Yeah, I don't even really like my throat being touched. No, it's a a little sensitive area, you know. It is. Ask David Arquette about that. A needle jabbing into it. Over and over again. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I uh, well, I got my 
forearm tattooed down to my wrist the other day. And the wrist, not a fun place to get tattooed. I'm not going to lie to to my friends here. Hmm. I, I mean, it makes sense. I would say that the parts of my tattoos that are closer to bone, like there's less flesh there, those hurt more. So being right next, you know, to your various bones in your wrist makes sense that, that that's where it would probably was that where it started to really suck was when you got closer to the hand rather than oh, away from it oh yeah that was the worst part up my forearm no big deal but yeah down right by the hand ugh, miserable gross you don't got a lot of meat there to tattoo on Aaron. that's why that's true that's true i, don't know, I so. do kind of wonder if you had a neck tattoo if that might help your job i don't know when you're if you're going to a to a prison to visit a client or do a deposition or something if uh, I give you some more cred? Sure. Uh, easier now that I've tattooed almost all the way down my arm, I can just roll up my shirt a little, you know, to my clients and signal to them that uh, right. I'm cool, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you belong know, or there. You, or yeah. you can show up like Mean Street Posse-like, you know, just the sweater vest and you're just flashing it to begin with. Yeah, that'd be sick. I'd like that. Aaron, will uh, you be bringing guns into Kentucky courtrooms from now on? I did see a suggestion that that uh, law has been passed, and I figure... Now, <laughs> now an option for you. I figure, why not? You know, um, you don't want to be caught bringing a, a pilot G2 to a gunfight. Right. You know, the, the few times I've had cause to go into... Uh, a courthouse you're not allowed to bring your cell phone in I've, a couple times i've gotten to the door with my cell phone in my shirt pocket or whatever and been like nope i gotta walk all the way across this big ass parking lot and put my phone away um are you allowed to bring cell phones into courtrooms in kentucky only lawyers are allowed to only bring lawyers. their cell phones in very privileged <laughs> privileged lawyers get to bring their <laughs> cell phones and guns it used to be when I first started practicing in Lexington. Uh, used to they have metal detectors, of course, when you walk in the courthouse. But the lawyers could walk past the metal detector; you didn't have to go through. And that always seemed like the worst idea to me, um, but not true in other other courthouse. Either of you guys know the one profession, not counting politician, that is uh, given special protections in the U.S. Constitution. It's not like mail carrier, even though like there was. No, I believe the Constitution does create a mail service, but it does right. not give yeah. uh, special protections, Protection. I don't think. Hmm. For a Aaron's thinking long and hard. Profession. No, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I'm stumped. Journalists or news gatherers. Oh, you're, this is uh, like a First Amendment thing? This is, well, no, it's not in the Bill of Rights. It is, I think, elsewhere in the Constitution. It's in the, it's in the main text. It's not in the amendments. <laughs> it's in the... There's some it, trivia for you. This isn't, uh, you know, this is canon, is what you're telling me. <laughs> well, I think it's all canon, right? This <laughs> is sort of a sequel to the original Constitution. <laughs> It's published. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it, it's canon. It's really like a sequel they filmed at the same time, like the second and third Avatar movies. Right? Yeah, yeah. Didn't they? Didn't they end up filming like three of them there? So, what was the third hidden document? I think, 
I think, uh, yeah, I think there is also a fourth Avatar coming down the pike. Man, it's going to um, be peak TV and movie times for like 65 to 75-year-old men, isn't it? Three Avatar movies coming out right down the pike. I don't know. It seems like it's been forever and they're still not coming. Was there an Avatar 2? We're filming at the same time as Avatar 3, I believe. Yeah, it's... But, but I mean, is, has it been released? No. No. Oh, okay. We're waiting. We're all waiting with bated breath, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, I know I am. <laughs> Gotta know what's up with the Navi. I do. And and the humans. Yeah. Well, didn't they have like unatanium and and like unobtainium, the highest movie right. of all time at that point? Unatanium. I mean, I like that's a good that's a good specific, I think. Also, I think so my roommate at the time had interned at whatever movie studio that was uh, and read the Avatar script and he was doing script coverage for some reason. I like, you know, it's James Cameron's script. Obviously they were going to make the movie, but I guess because he had the opportunity to get his hands on it, he did. Uh, so he had all the Avatar facts and he was like, actually unobtainium is a real thing. I'm like, all right. I mean, it's not, it's, or it's like a real theoretical thing. You know, it's not a, not a real actual thing. Maybe that's what it is. Right. Cause it's unattainable. Cause that's being there. Yeah, I suppose maybe. I don't know. Is antimatter? Um, if antimatter exists, does it only exist in theory, or does it actually exist, even though it's the opposite of matter? Buddy, you're talking to someone that basically took shop class physics too. <laughs> like you're talking about astrophysics here. We were building bridges, so sure, mm. maybe. Well, yeah, I guess we gotta we gotta throw this. Uh, Cody's no longer in the company. So we can't take this Star Trek inquiry to him. So we'll have to run it up to the big guy, Tony, and see if he knows any of this from his Star Trek knowledge. I certainly don't know. Uh, Avatar is like the height of me being like a very lame person who cared about like the Oscars. Yeah, uh, I don't know. The, the, what's funny is like the most exciting Oscars events were like not. I mean, this year what it was, I don't even want to talk about, but. Uh, uh, the moonlight thing where they announced the wrong winner and then like yeah. the big actual, you know, uh, 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 seemingly deserving picture won the movie. And then the parasite thing was like the year after that, or maybe two years after that. And those were like the two most exciting things that ever happened in the Oscars, uh, and coincided with the crashing ratings and just ruining the ceremony altogether, I think. Yeah. Not since, you know, Brando wouldn't show up and. Uh, and John you know. Wayne won to fight a Native American woman. Yeah, that was right. sick. So that was a cool thing at the Oscars. But it, I mean, for like 15 years, the only thing that they had was Uma Oprah. Like that was <laughs> it for a long ass time. Like, <laughs> like you know how like I talking about how like we lost our minds really in the 90s and we're only now suffering the repercussions of it. That was like the the, the crux of the Academy Awards monologue was was Dave Letterman introducing Uma Thurman to Oprah Winfrey. It was very funny. Uh, I never, oh, of course, great. actually saw it, but uh, it lives on in my mind with distressing regularity. <laughs> I think probably because your brother Drew Spears references it a lot. <laughs> it, the, the, it is a Spears canon moment, to be fair. Mm. That computes, for sure. All right, well, that's our Avatar talk for this episode. Check Now back. Grammy's talk. 
Uh, oh, Grammys, sure. There's King some Grammys on, was on it, this was show. That what his name was Kingfisher. I don't know what that is. He was on the pay per view. Oh, you didn't see the pay per view, or you saw part of the pay per view? Yeah, the guitarist for Jade. Jade. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Chris Stone, Kingfish. Yeah, no, I, I, I did see the pay per view. A Grammy winner now won a Grammy this year. Immediately following him playing Jade Cargill to the ring, I believe. Has to be related. Yeah. I watched, I don't know, a good 20 to 30 minutes at the Grammys. I watched the BTS performance and that was it. I missed BTS, which was sad for me. I saw Nas. I saw Brandy Carlisle, who, by the way, if there's any Brandy Carlisle heads out there, what happened to her drummer? Does he, did she not have one or does he look insane or? Okay, she's had a drummer who looks insane forever. He's like this big, like redneck looking dude who always wears a cutoff t-shirt and like just does not fit with the band. But he was, as far as I could tell, he was not the drummer at the Oscars unless he lost like, I don't know, 80 pounds. Okay, yeah, I see. uh... Well, when you search, you get Chris Powell or you get Brian Griffin, but I think that's a Family Guy character. I think so. <laughs> and that just makes um, me think of the Jim Cornette tweets about like uh, protesting his death, I think. It's always interesting to me when drummers are big dudes because drumming seems like so much exercise. Oh, yeah, sure. Have you ever seen Paul McCartney's touring drummer? I, I can't say I have. He's just gigantic. And he's got like a, a Neil Pert level drum kit where he's got 1500 things going on around him it's like man you're playing you're playing i've just seen a face you don't need this many elements in your drum kit (laughs) yeah so chris powell is the guy i'm talking about and he was i don't believe he played drums for her at the grammys yeah i do see him but there is also a brian griffin who comes up when you search him so maybe he's the uh the other i saw that yeah but uh anyway if there's any brandy carlisle heads out there i'd like to know the answer to that, well, no, they did a lot of performances, I thought, because just in the short time I watched, I saw like well, three performances. That's the advantage of the Grammys over the Oscars is you can actually draw people to watch the show by being like, we're going to have some cool, unique performances. Yeah, the the Nas one was interesting, I thought. Uh, I the, can't remember uh, what else I saw. The BTS one came up in our Discord. KY posted it there so I could watch oh, it. Billie Eilish, I also, I also Billie saw. Billie Eilish. Um, I do Lil Nas X when he did the. I'm oh yeah, I saw that too. The, I didn't see that this year. I saw the one he did a couple of years ago with the the yodeling boy and BTS and and Nas again. Uh, I'm very fond of that performance for some reason. Well, this was with the uh, hometown hero, Louisville's own Jack Harlow. Oh, Jack Harlow, the the Daniel Garcia of music. <laughs> sure, I could see that. Think, All right. uh, think Jack Harlow got a production credit on uh, Rosé's single, On the Ground. Is that right? I think so. What, what did he have to do with no, that? No, I, I might be making that up. Okay. I might be I'm... thinking of somebody else who reminds me of Jack Harlow. <laughs> you can... who I don't know that I've ever heard except on that one Lil Nas X song. Uh, I had never heard him until uh, I started watching TikToks. He's like, he's very popular on TikTok. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. And the ladies love Jack Harlow. Sure. He's very popular. Mike, any Jack Harlow takes? No, no. I'm right now trying not to crack up because I finally saw Murder Brian, the singlet. Oh, God, it's so fucking good. I have no Grammy takes whatsoever. Yeah, those Murder Brian pictures are awesome. I saved them all immediately to my phone so I can randomly airdrop them to strangers in the airport. As you should, I'll save... Oh, he has some good faces here. These will be great in photoshops for years to come. <laughs> uh, and he's smartened up and he got uh, black, so you can't tell when he pisses his pants. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. We're on Twitter <laughs> at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, ya with two eyes. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, go to. What is it? Linktra.ee slash everything AEW. Get all our links. Use whatever podcast app you like. But if you use iTunes, give us a five-star rating and review. If you use Spotify, give us a five-star rating. Uh, most importantly, if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. We're we're killing. We're kicking out the content here in April. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Nate, do you have something to add, my friend? I thought you were going to talk about the content from this past week, uh, but then you said you're going to talk about it later. So no, I don't. Okay, yeah, I'll do it in the in the customary point later in the show. Is there a is there some sort of pattern or format to this show that I haven't picked up on? <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, only the last okay. hundred and twenty episodes or so. <laughs> Sounds made up. Yeah. Well, Nate, this is going to be a surprise to you, but now we're going to do a little segment we like to call Elite. Or delete. In this segment, we talk about the things we liked and didn't like from this week's episode of Dynamite. And Nate, surprise number two, brother, you're up first. So what was your favorite thing from this week's episode of Dynamite? Okay, well, thankfully, you explained what the segment is. So I feel like I'm equipped to just jump right in here and and go with it. Going to go for my elite pick this week. Uh, A man who we believe to be on death's door just a few days ago. Samoa Joe debuting in AEW to face Max Caster here. Uh, and a very strong debut, I thought. Uh, got a fantastic reaction from the Boston crowd. Uh, I think his music is pretty tremendous. You know, Joe's had a lot of themes. Um, famously had the one with the Godzilla sample, which is tough to clear, very tough to clear sample. I know people were saying they should sample it, um, but of course, Feral Monch was not able to clear that sample when he had a hit single with the song years back um but he's got a great theme here by i believe mikey ruckus um then you got max caster coming out max caster with some classic wrestling rivalry pointed barbs referring to samoa's samoa joe's time in the x division samoa joe being the champion on top of the failing nxt uh and, you know, just classic Max Caster stuff to get you into the match. Got big reactions. Uh, and then Samoa Joe, I thought, looked pretty great here. Uh, he looked like he was up to speed, which is, I think, really the thing that uh, 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 differentiates him from other guys that can do a lot of the same, you know. Um, I mean, that's not the whole story, really, because Samoa Joe, I mean, his punches are on a different level than most people's. Uh, you know, he's laying in elbow strikes like like a lot of people don't do anymore. Uh, but it, it is really, I think, the speed, like on that 
Topi did with the diving elbow strike uh, and just going full speed into that, looking like a looking like ten to twelve Darby Allens at once. Um, that was tremendous, and he killed him. And Max Caster got his ass kicked, and he decisively won. Uh, I think it was just the perfect length. Uh, and then we got a pretty good post match promo. I thought uh, with Jay Lethal getting involved there, uh, and I think his his ceiling is a really his ceiling and his floor as a heel is considerably better than his baby face. So that's that's a good course correction for him in that act. Uh, so yeah, I was pretty happy with this Samoa Joe segment. Yeah, Joe, he he already looked really cool in Ring of Honor. Now he just it, it's something with him that there is he's always had like a level of like speed and agility like now like you're talking about like his explosiveness or whatever but now like the the 13 flying darbies is a good way of putting it because there, there's times when like joe on that misawa tope was just like looking like just like pure rage like 13 people shouting at the same time and i thought that that it just was perfect like well, well i know aaron we always bemoan that like oh yeah this should just be an absolute squash but it's probably gonna be 12 minutes no this was Pretty much an absolute squash. Max got a little bit of offense. He did something that pissed off Joe, and Joe just went and hit the muscle buster and won. But it, it was excellent, and Joe looked great, and it was just a smart use of everyone there because Caster's going to be fine. Everyone will forget that he got destroyed by Samoa Joe the next time he comes out to the ring. So, yeah, I thought this rocked. Yeah, so what we talked about on light this morning, Mike, was that my biggest fear with Joe coming in was they would make him do like 12, 15 minute matches when this is where he's going to excel, especially at this stage in his career. And goddamn, they just brought him out and he uh, immediately was looked very motivated. He hit very hard, as Nate said, which was exactly what I wanted to see. Everything was urgent and he just beat the shit out of Max Caster. Max played his role perfectly. Uh, I was also putting over Max Caster big on on light this morning. Uh, my take, which made some people mad, is that Caster is the better member of the acclaimed. And so some people didn't like that, apparently. But he was great here. And Joe was great. Got me excited. If they keep Joe in this kind of stuff, it's going to be a very good run. Yeah, I mean, you do have to have a destination for a, a, a build like this or a run like this with a guy. I mean, it would be fun to just have uh, him kill guys in five minutes for a very long time, but he's he's probably not going to be their Goldberg because he's probably a little old to be Goldberg for them. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see what he can do when he gets to like a pay-per-view match or something. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's not, you know, he could go to a pay-per-view match and just have a kick-ass six-minute match with the guy. Uh, instead of four minutes, but I, I think we probably know they're not going to do that. Yeah, but I also didn't see this coming, so I'm going to, unlike I, I would normally do, I'm going to maintain some optimism here and, and let it play out. So we'll see what happens with Joe. Uh, Mike, it's your turn. What is your, or what was your elite pick, your favorite thing from this week's show? My favorite thing on the show is Eddie Kingston. Not only did he have a Kenny Rogers jersey on, not Kenny Rogers, uh, Kenny Powers. I mean, <laughs> Kenny Ro- Kenny Rogers would have been his own thing right there. But uh, 
it just was like the the level of intensity that is brought back into his storyline with Chris Jericho with this segment. And it's something that like Eddie has this ability to, and you know, Satan and Ortiz are their own entities, and I think that they have their own intensity. But Eddie's is just different, and Eddie threatening to beat them all up in front of their families, and just was getting to a point, just working himself into a. a, a frenzy screaming it was going to be on site after throwing a tv at them as they were scurrying away i i thought that this was exactly the kind of beat i wanted to see with uh jericho appreciation society and then eddie and and santana ortiz like this is exactly where you kind of want to see to go and now we already have the next point with them in new orleans and i really like how like in front of a crowd that was pretty much molten the entire time Eddie Kingston felt like something completely different. And I thought that that was really special. Yeah. Eddie's the man, you know, everything Eddie does is pitch perfect and compelling and real. Uh, and unlike anything else on the show, um, he threw a television. Uh, that was sick. I, I did like in the MJF promo or segment later that he referred back to it. Like, why is my television broken? Somebody fixed my television. Uh, so that was fun. Um, yeah, no notes really, you know, Eddie just makes everything work. And, uh, you know, we still got, also got Santana Ortiz, both got some mic time in their promo as well. Um, so that, you know, Eddie's going to make this, this story, this feud work regardless of anything else, you know, you could imagine this feud getting into the, getting into the mire of like, a uh, like an Andrade versus Hardy's kind of thing where it, kind of feels like it's just been inching along for week after week, but it's just kind of not a risk when you've got Eddie involved because he just always makes it compelling and real. And I especially love the dynamic between Eddie and Daniel Garcia. I think that's going to continue to bear fruit for a long time and, um, you know, maybe eventually be a thing where uh, Eddie puts Garcia over on the way out or whatever, you know, to really help continue to catapult Garcia. So yeah, everything, everything's good here and exciting. And, you know, I'm frankly looking forward to the trios match. I think they'll figure out a way to, for it to be very fun. It's also fun that Eddie and Garcia are also playing things out on like new Japan shows. I didn't watch whatever show that was. Uh, but those guys just picking up that thread that it's like, no, this isn't, you know, part of a little show or part of a few, like I fucking hate that guy. And I'm going to go take a shot at him regardless of whatever else is going on on the match. That's just something that Eddie does that is so cool that you don't see a lot of people do that because he did that with, like, Hero. Like, if they're on a show together, like, it was always going to be bad blood in and on site there. So I'm glad that they're doing that with this, too. All right. That makes it uh, my turn. And my elite pick is going to be uh, Jade Cargill this week. I thought this was probably her strongest – no, definitely her strongest – mic work in the promotion i remember thinking like when she first showed up i know we talked about it like she it felt like she had a lot of presence but kind of the promos didn't always come together and they they almost felt like they got worse <laughs> over time really and then this was like all put together in a way where it was like a little chaotic you know she's just kind of like going taking the mic from uh, Sterling at times. It didn't really seem 
planned out perfectly, but it kind of worked for her. Uh, and she was melding the presence and the promo all together. Uh, and I just thought she came off not just as a huge star from her like presence, but with a real star presentation. Yeah, I feel like maybe there were certainly times, even when she was kind of established, you know, her first, <laughs> I remember being kind of impressed by her first promo where she came out and confronted Cody and it didn't make any fucking sense because it was a Cody program. Uh, and she talked about her friend Shaq or something. Um, and I was like, okay, we have no idea who this woman is. Uh, but she came out and kind of, you know, was capable in the moment she delivered her lines. Uh, you know, she wasn't stumbling over herself or looking nervous. Um, but you know, after that, I think there was a period where she was successfully faking being confident. And I now think she's kind of moved into, I've been, you know, on these shows for, uh, over a year now, I have my confidence about talking into the microphone. Uh, and now I'm hitting my confidence where I have confidence, you know, holding the stage and holding court over a whole arena of people. Uh, so I thought that was very good. Uh, I tweeted that I don't know how long she's going to be able to be a heel because she might just be too entertaining and cool. And I thought she was getting cheers in this segment, uh, which, which kind of led me toward that. Um, I do wonder where the baddie section thing is going. <laughs> I don't really, is there, a, <laughs> it kind of feels like something she just did of her own accord. She's just like, I just want to, find some baddies <laughs> uh but then they've got them there at ringside and they did it on the on the last show too i think um so you presume that's going to build to something eventually but i i cannot guess what uh but yeah this was this was very strong from jade i i propose a hoe train like uh addition to the act well i did think about victoria who of course started as a hoe of the godfather <laughs> and then there were there were like reports in the Observer, like one of the Godfather hoes, Victoria, is now training to be a wrestler. <laughs> I can't wait to see Dave say one of the baddies is now training to be a wrestler. Jade is just like I know that like with Rosa and all of this and the world title, but Jade feels like the most complete and like the the most week in week out impressive act in the women's division it's gotten to like a point where yeah sometimes it's you have the repetition with her but you have repetition throughout the entire company but i mean jade the hashtag jade brand and all of the, like this is like a complete act she's now at a point where it wasn't like mark sterling really cutting the promo and her like chiming in at the end like and I'm like calling up a few words. No, she's taking command of it now. And it's something that I I wouldn't normally be so excited about, like this random Jake Cargill versus Marina Shafir match. But it's one of those things that with how Marina has portrayed herself on Dark and she's just been on Dark, but on Dark and Jay, like that's that's a really interesting program to me now. And I, they took a really big step in that direction with Jade's presentation tonight. Yeah, I'm glad they're giving her someone where it feels like there's some doubt. I mean, not really. There's not real doubt, you know, but they're introducing some doubt and giving her an actual challenge in a match. So that seems exciting. Maybe she'll get in trouble in the match and have to figure that out on the fly. Uh, that seems fun. Um, and Marina is really cool. So I'm just excited altogether about this. Should be fun. 
All right, our listener elite for this week. We pick an elite and delete every week from one of our patrons. Uh, this week, long time. In fact, day one patron, Chelsea, her elite hangman's whole deal in the post-match with Cole. He was uh, very cool. Yeah, you know, I, I actually kind of thought he turned the beginning of this show around uh, coming out after this match. I'm going to tie this into my delete because I'm going to delete the first match on this show. Um, this uh, this really did not do anything for me whatsoever. Um, but after the match, Hangman coming out uh, after the you know Jurassic Express and Red Dragon went fighting to the back and we got to see scintillating footage of uh, Bobby Fish selling up the ramp for Luchasaurus. Uh, Hangman music hitting, getting a huge reaction, coming out, getting right in Cole's face and bringing intensity that was like twice the level of anything that was actually in this first match. Uh, kind of like gave the show a kick in the ass where it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. We're having this little wrestler, this little match, this little wrestler, this little match. Um, <laughs> but Hangman Page is like, no, I'm going to, you know, actually turn the intensity up on this show uh, and get in this guy's face uh, and challenge him to yet another Texas death match. So, yeah, so I agree with Chelsea there. To go on to my delete, this first match, Adam Cole, Christian Cage. I don't know. Did you guys get the impression that Tony thought that this was like a dream match? <laughs> uh, like from the intro where they both stood in the ring and like basked in the chance or whatever. Uh, and it, I don't know. It just didn't, didn't feel like it hit that level for me where I was like, Oh, this is such a classic matchup. So hangman. Cool. Chelsea's right. Like that segment rocked. Uh, just like the intensity he's able to ratchet up was really cool. Yeah, this match was like the chance, like in at the start of it, Nate. This had like the veneer of both these guys ism a little bit too much to me, and it's something that as soon as the crowd is so well is so willing to jump right into that champ, it's not even like starting off with like a uh, bay bay thing. It's go jumping right to, into like dueling chance. I know the crowd's going to be a problem for me that night, you know, and I know that that, that comes off as pretentious. It's just like. You can tell when a crowd starts with certain chants if you're going to be in for it. Yeah, I mean, and I, they, Adam Cole got a huge reaction when he first came out. And then, yeah, they did the big dueling chants off the top. But then they got into the match and it was headlocks and the, the crowd yeah. was kind of waiting for something to happen. They kind of, you know, I, I compliment them a lot in this promotion for timing the, uh, the comeback on the baby face uh, to come right out of the ad break. So a lot of the times, right when they exit an ad break, the baby face will be coming back and all of a sudden the crowd will be back into it and you make the feel like it make the match feel like it's really hot coming out of the ad. I think they kind of did the opposite here where the hottest this match got was when they entered the first ad break and then all of a sudden the crowd was uh, all fired back up for it again. Um, the We had a very controversial show on the Patreon this weekend uh, where you guys talked about this promotion and overprotecting people a lot. And this match uh, was uh, 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 proof positive of that where, you know, Adam Cole has been winning all of his matches with cheating, basically, you know, a lot of low blows. This one he did, what, what was it, an eye rake, I think. He did an eye rake leading into the, the finish to win this match. Um, but it was also like, well, we can't just beat Christian. We can't beat Christian because Christian, you know, he's a he's a top guy. So, I mean, you know, we have 40 top guys and Christian's one of them. So we can't just have Adam Cole beat Christian. Um, 
And we can't just have Adam Cole cheat to beat Christian. We have to have Christian kick out of Adam Cole's finish. Uh, and then Adam Cole cheats to beat finish or beat Christian. But then we can't also just have Adam Cole's finish get kicked out of. So we have to protect Adam Cole's finish by having him still have the knee pad on in order to protect Christian by having him kick out of his finish. Uh, <laughs> and then we have to have Christian uh, succumb to cheating in an irate to actually get beaten this match. Uh, and yeah, it was just all, all too much for me where I was like, you know, these guys are, are, are good wrestlers, good, solid wrestlers. Uh, but nothing in the match really moved or excited me. And then you get into that where it's like, Oh, just, just, can you have them beat them instead of giving us a 17 minute dream match that goes 50, 50, and then a cheap finish. It's just something that, and again, I don't want to be like putting on airs or whatever, but this just felt like the most like perfunctory good quotation marks, good match possible. Like he just felt like everything this way. And it wasn't very satisfying. Like the finish, Nate, not satisfying finishing stretch. And as Aaron and TJ said this weekend, like, why are you protecting Christian Cage? Why is this guy need protected at this point? They did have like the, the, the some of the most like too cute by half things on this show. The, the, this show got really cute, too cute by half a lot with it. And this match kind of set the tone for it that luckily a very extra crowd helped out, lifted up a match that instead would have felt like a warrior wrestling kind of match to me. Like it just, like just not satisfying. It was not a satisfying match. Technically good, but not satisfying. Well, I'm not going to pile on. You guys have basically done my, my shtick. So I'll leave it be and just say, and I'll do Nate's shtick and say, I don't know. The crowd is pretty into it. So I've got to give them credit. Yeah. It was a hot crowd. Yeah, I, I think if you watch this match on mute, it would definitely feel like some guys going through motions, I feel like. Um, I did, Christian, uh, I was looking at a lot of punches on this show because I was thinking about Dustin Rhodes' punch from the other week. Ooh. Christian has a great-looking punch when he's doing the corner 10 count and he's punching down at the guy's head. Um, I don't know. why He's like grabbing his head and moving his head along with the punch and it looks great. But then he just does these open-handed slaps a lot of the time. Otherwise, he's like, oh, next guy I'll be, oh, he got him with the uppercut. And it's like, no, he slapped him in the chin. Um, <laughs> or he does the, he does that spot where he does the the leap, the plancha out to the outside and then slaps Landing the guy. Landing on his feet, pop him in the yeah. face. Yeah, yeah. Which I've, I've never really – that seems like a spot that you do is like a subversion to something else where it's like, oh, I'm setting you up for the 619 and, oh, no, actually, I'm, I'm going to be clever and I'm just going to come down and slap you in the face instead. But it's it's just totally divorced from any context where it makes sense to me now. He's just like, no, this is one of my classic things I do is I jump and put all this <laughs> put all this undue weight and pressure on my old man knees so that I can slap you in the face a little bit. It it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and I, I don't know why he can't do those good looking punches all the time. Let's just, let's just make this podcast about punches from now on. We'll just break instead of elite or delete. Actually, no, we'll still do elite or delete, but it'll just be who had the best punches on the show. I'm down with that. All right. Next I, week. I think it's Joe. Uh, Joe's Joe's this week's winner. Joe and Cheetah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. Who had the worst punches on the show? Uh, I, I don't know if she threw a punch, but Julia was not. Okay, enough of this Julia slander. I've yeah, seen enough not, of it. Not, I'm not agreeing with that. Trying to look back over the... Yeah, me too. I mean... Probably Sean Spears, right? I don't remember any punches well, that, he threw. But that was I'm the match that, that jumped out at me. But I, I think Sean Spears was actually kind of fine. Maybe his caster. It might be Christian. Shit. Wow. Does Adam Adam Cole doesn't even try, right? Does he just do elbow <laughs> strikes? I feel like he just does elbows. Yeah. I'll I'll pay more attention. I I guess I said I'd like this morning. I'm not being a. Uh, what is it? DVD. DVD VR poster. DVD yeah. VR? Is it VR? That's the where I keep fucking myself Death up. Valley Driver video review DVD VR. I was going to I said this morning, I'm not a DVD VR guy, but maybe I just am. Maybe I'm just a punches guy. That's what I'm going to talk about from now on. So we'll see. Uh, Mike, would you like to delete something other than someone's punches? Oh, yeah. Uh, this table match, guys. Like, <laughs> just like Aaron, we were so stoked. We're like, yeah, no, like the Butch and the Blade, they're sick as hell. They cut money promos. We got good Hardy's promos. This match is going to be good. And then like. Is it just the fact that I haven't seen an actual tables match since I would watch like the WWE Network and see the stairs match and then the, the tables match that I forgot that you have to put both people through a table and you have to have like offensive manu- maneuvers going through the table? It just felt like really convoluted and then the match felt slow and kind of convoluted. And I mean, the finish was fun. Like, I mean, we, we got the the finish like jeff jumping off a ladder through a table i mean as we wanted but like it just was really kind of slow and boring for a tables match yeah so i think the rules are fine you know i understand the idea of the rule which is that they can't account for somebody like being set up onto a table and it accidentally breaking so they want to make sure that it's like no somebody has to forcefully put you through with an with an offensive move in order for it to count right that makes sense rule the Seamus yeah, role. Right. Uh, I hope, I don't know that they didn't do this. It didn't, I, I'm guessing they didn't. They they should have Justin Roberts underline that shit five times in the arena and say, hey guys, the table match is coming up next. I'm going to tell you exactly what the rules are so that you know what you're fucking watching. Because um, then you would have, I mean, I say that, but then everybody in my, in our DM was like so confused about the rules. And I'm like, they did explain the rules. I don't know what to do with you guys. Uh, but they did explain the rules. The rules were fine. It was just a weird and slow match, I think. Uh, you know, uh, there was a strange division decision off the top to be like, well, Jeff's going to get eliminated in three minutes. <laughs> that threw me for a loop. Um, that, you know, I was like, oh, I don't, you know, are they going to send Jeff to the back? No, they, you know, it kind of makes sense. He can still be out there because there's no disqualification, so he can do whatever he wants uh, and kept him around out there. But, uh yeah it was just kind of a car crash there was a very sick looking like superplex spot off the railing that the butcher and the blade did uh that looked like a gross bump for matt hardy uh and then jeff like followed that up trying to do a whisper in the wind and slipped on the butcher's sweaty and bloody back that looked pretty brutal um so it was kind of a little bit entertaining as like a car crash but yeah that came after a lot of like slow plotting a little confusing stuff going on with this table match setup um 
Jeff. So yeah, Jeff has to do another big ladder dive because that's, I don't, you know, that's what Jeff Hardy's famous for. I don't know if you guys remember from WrestleMania 17 said he jumps off really tall ladders. Uh, so he had to do that for the second week in a row. Uh, you know, he wasn't in the match. He was not a legal man when he eliminated the blade at that point in the match. This is just the thing you, you cannot care about this. If you're going to watch wrestling, if you're going to watch wrestling with that, uh, discerning an eye for logic or rules, you're just going to work against yourself. So yeah, I just, just can't care. Um, yeah, this was uh weird, did not meet expectations. I was excited to have a, you know, fresh rule set because they do all these gimmick matches all the time. At least this is like kind of a fresh one, but yeah, it was just a little bit, little bit of a mess. Yes. On the bright side, the butcher was cool as shit. Uh, blade was cool as shit. Uh, do they normally have a double barricade or had they just set that up so Blade could do the the uh, uh play? They don't normally. I didn't notice that, but you know, it's it's typically only a single barricade. They had a double barricade. They just they showed his foot and you could see just like space between two things. You know, it's like, oh, so that was probably much easier to do a suplex off of. So so that was interesting. But yeah. Again, you guys have kind of hit uh, the bad stuff about that match. So uh, Butcher had a Converge shirt on in Boston. So that was cool. Not familiar. Uh, Metalcore band from from Boston. Converge. Uh Um, I once suggested that my friend Nathan listen to uh, one one of their albums, Jane Doe. I was like, just, and he'll like sometimes listen to heavy music, but not very often. So I was like, hey, just listen to this. Tell me how far you get. And the first song on the album is like a minute and 29 seconds. And he told me he barely made it to track two. <laughs> so that that was his view of Jane Doe. That's, uh, I've met Nathan. Uh, That's I know right. Nathan, That's right. I, I know Nathan likes gummy bears. But I what, mean, what kind of music I'm does a, he typically like? I'm a gummy bear guy. Oh, you're the gummy bear weirdo. Yes, I love gummy okay. bears. I thought that was like a shared thing between the two of you. Oh, Nathan likes gummy treats. Don't get me wrong. I would just consider that more of my thing than his is thing. He a, is he an Americana music guy? He likes some Americana music for sure. Um, mostly, he he listens to music all day at his work. So mostly he just texts me and says, will you please like suggest any fucking album in the world for me to listen to? Because, you know. I just listen to shit constantly. I got to come up with something new. So True. I just force music I like onto him, basically. It's the way to do it. Yeah. So that's been nice. Uh, my delete. I, there wasn't a lot more that I hated on the show. Uh, I, You know, I wanted to say the, the Spears and Sean Dean match, but, you know, it led to... It was a great vehicle for uh, for a bigger thing. So I feel like I feel like Aaron is a little bit compensating for uh, the this week's episode of World Tour today. Look, between uh... I, I didn't even say anything on that show. Really, I just let TJ cook. <laughs> is uh, start off delete and Aaron's like, "Well, you guys covered it. I'm not gonna belabor the point. On to the next one. Well, I got nothing else. All right. Well, okay. Here's. The only thing left that I was just like, well, no, there's one other thing, but I want that to be the listener delete. So I'm going to save that. But this Jungle Boy promo where he's like, 
Things around here are determined by records. Ural's record isn't good enough. Let's have a match. It's like, well, what's the point of even... And, and I don't want to talk about rankings. <laughs> I badly don't want to talk about rankings. But it was just like, no reason to say that. Just say, you've been fucking with us, so let's have a match. Well, he was dumping exposition is what he was doing. It was a response to people complaining about rankings. And he's saying, I'm acknowledging that you guys aren't deserving in the rankings. I'm lampshading that. But now I'm challenging you because I'm so annoyed with you. So that's what the purpose of it was. But did it give Jungle Boy an opportunity to do anything interesting about Jungle Boy? Not really. I, I think the thing with that is that you already had uh, Hangman earlier on in the show said, like, I don't care. I want the match. So having kind of like his tag team buddy doing that, doing the exact same thing. So instead you had him kind of be a, a little bit of a poindexter about things. There was a, a band when I was a young, a young man, a little punk band called Poindexter that I, that I liked. It's I a good punk where, band name. Don't even know where they were from. So I can't even look them up, but they were good. Um. Okay. Listener delete this week uh this would have been my other pick but uh i thought it was a good listener delete so our patron jamie wonders deletes doing a deep angle in the post match instead of furthering the julia heel turn hmm i mean that is the big few that they've been doing is sheeta and deep so i don't really mind that um i don't know julia's gotten a Good amount of time the last couple of weeks. I was kind of fine with this. I I have a feeling the fact that she's been like a passenger first for like the Moxley and Danielson thing where she sat and padded on the stairs and then right. now being a passenger for this that next time there might be something that seems kind of innocuous. She jumps in there, maybe. Oh, I think I just changed my mind. Yeah, because she... <laughs> she loses. Well, she loses. So that gives you a good opportunity to make it about her goop infection, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe that is a better. I mean, she did. She had a lot to do in this match. She sent the varsity blondes away because um, that's, you know, that that act has gotten so long in the tooth. They've been traveling these roads for, I don't know, seems like seven or eight years. Obviously, they have to break that act up. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> it's had its time. Uh, there was nothing else for them to do. They've done all they could possibly do together. Uh, and, you know, it really, when we get down to it, it doesn't make any sense for a cheerleader to be in the, with this group of uh, blonde-headed athlete boys who wear letter jackets. That just doesn't make any sense. So they had to break that act up. Um, so, yeah, they had her send them away. So she had a lot to do. But, yes, because you're obviously going to do more with Sheeta and Deeb later, and we have been waiting, I don't know, four or five months for Julia's goop to metastasize and become a larger problem than just her eye patch. Um, maybe that would have been a good spot after the match to have her throw a goop tantrum, something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, I am whatever they're doing with, with Julia. I'm for it. So. Yeah. Nate, you're, you're talking me into like being fascinated to see how the goop's going to corrupt her. Like, is she just going to have, like, a tantrum and then start spitting up goop, maybe? Like, there's a lot of ways it can go with her revealing her goop powers because now we've seen that her eyes corrupted. Right. And... She's got the Malachi Black eye makeup. Yep. Um, it, now, does that mean he's, he's infected by goop, then? 
Oh, I I felt like that he's like this very openly has said that part of him is dead, and that's part of like the face paint kind of thing. I, I, mean, I feel that's like Darby's gimmick one. I, um, I, I he during like one of his promos talking about killing horses. He talked about like <laughs> well, that was, that was a metaphor for Cody's career, which actually ended up being good in retrospect, but didn't make any sense yeah. at the time. So, so he was defining canon. Some of it was late acting. Some of it was apparent right yeah. then and there. But he, he also said the more you know black his face is, the more powerful he is. Yeah, I mean, seems the, seems like a dangerous road to walk. Um, so she's gaining power, right? I was, you know, so is she going to start gooping people? That could be fun. Uh, but then, you know, kind of treading on Abaddon's gimmick. Um, maybe she becomes an Abaddon. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe she becomes an Abaddon. Maybe this is how Abaddon. Oh, maybe it'll become like a, a Muda Muto situation where she right. can transform at will between herself and Abaddon. What? Maybe she does a, you know, blonde college cheerleader who uh, goes to a party in blackface gimmick and gets canceled, <laughs> and then that plays into Brian Pillman Jr. And so then he can split off from Griff. Uh, because he's all about like cancel culture, and so then mm-hmm. that brings Brian and Julia back together, and they can feud with Griff and you know Sensational Sherry or whoever. <laughs> what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't book it. That's not something I would do <laughs> if I had a million dollars to run a wrestling promotion. But I'm it, glad bold. you're workshopping ideas. It, well, it's bold. I know someone that you could probably. Uh, the the rate's about a hundred dollars an hour, but you could float that idea by them, and they might have some thoughts. Yeah, I mean, the fact that that's out there, like the idea that you know someone might be thinking, "Oh shit, I do have a million dollars that I would like to hand someone to book a promotion." I just want to go ahead and make sure I have all my ducks in a row, you know. So if if I get that call, uh, you know, usually if I see a number on my cell phone that I don't recognize, I don't answer it. But I'm going to be answering those for the next, I don't know, year or so, in case it's someone offering me the million dollars to book a promotion. And I'm just filling up the old notebook now with ideas. And this is one first show, uh, (laughs) white blonde cheerleader does blackface. And that really uh, imagine the fucking heat, you know? Right. Oh, the heat, the the PR, the coverage. I mean, Oh yeah. You'll be the talk of the town. Yeah. And I'm going to book the, the progressive liberal as part of this uh, feud also. Yeah. Bringing that guy back. So. Uh, I hope you, uh, on the second show, uh, book the guy to come out and tell the progressive liberal that uh, he looks like a, an extremely large pile of shit. Uh, maybe one that's, maybe he hasn't seen one of his pigs since he visited an elephant manure factory in South Africa last week. <laughs> sorry sorry mike for the coughing on air oh no no (laughs) the laugh got me yeah i had a whole other lane to go there but it's been i mean that's too good i can't oh that really i i put myself under way too much stress trying to remember that dialogue while searching for it and then (laughs) pull us along Hmm. all right uh, I think that's it. I think that's the whole show. I think that's I mean, or delete. So, <sighs> although we've talked about most of the things, um, Ab Cole and Christian Cole one with the boom. 
we got a video recap of the Gresham, uh, Jonathan Gresham, Jay Lethal, and Samoa Joe Angle from Supercard of Honor, which led right into Joe versus Max Caster. And Joe won with a muscle buster. And then Lethal and Sanjay Dutt were backstage. Lethal is mad that Joe hasn't answered his phone for the last four months. See, I take back what I said earlier, because if the next match is Joe versus Jay Lethal, you know that's going to be 12 to 15 minutes and and not like this match. Yeah, it does seem likely. I think I saw Joe wrestle Jay Lethal. Yeah, but like they've done that match a lot. They'll probably say this is the first time they face each other in over a decade. It'll be 12 to 14 minutes. Uh, the, the, everyone will, will come out of it thinking that it was f- perfectly fine. Dave Melsa gives it three, three and three quarters, and we completely forget about that match the next week. Did I, I call am, it right? Yes, I am preemptively forgetting about it. Uh, the Blackpool Combat Club backstage with Tony Schiavone and uh, they used this to set up uh, Danielson versus Trent and Moxley versus Wheeler Utah as uh, Tony Schiavone said for Rampage this week yeah this is uh, we got raining blood Moxley was a madman and I think we get uh, two really fun matches out of it Uh, and we got later on Trent being mean to Utah so we got a lot of threads yeah, I mean, Danielson versus Trent, that's going to kick ass probably. I think Trent, you know, Trent's going to go out there with something to prove and take some of those new age bumps. Um, but this was less interesting than the best friend segment, I thought, which is kind of, uh, I don't know if that's what you want with Danielson and Moxley here. Like, you know, not that you had to accomplish a bunch in this segment. All you were doing was setting up, uh, setting up two matches, but... Did make me think that I was like, oh, you know, they're they're a little bit uh, sidelined in this stable with Regal. Yeah, they didn't say anything of interest, really. It was just a pretty nothing segment. So, uh, Sean Spears versus Sean Dean was next. We had MJF on commentary. The match was uh, really just background for Wardlow to destroy security guys make his way toward the ring and lead to a Sean Dean distraction win. So Sean Dean two and O versus the pinnacle. Is that, that's still a thing, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I said earlier that I thought Sean Spears was pretty good on that show on this show, maybe just because he lost and I was internalizing that in, in some way. Uh, but he did do a cool neck breaker. I like his little neck breaker. Uh, when Wardlow shows up and runs through security guys and they run a camera to him backstage, I go wild. Um, it's the most exciting part of the night, pretty much every night. Uh, and yeah, this kind of slow ongoing thing where Sean Dean keeps getting these upset wins, that's fun. And and I hope they can play off it and go somewhere interesting with it. Yeah, it's neat that like Sean Dean now has like oh, undefeated against Pinnacle members, I guess, as kind of a... Like random uh, fact about him, and yeah, uh, a lot of this was clearly window dressing for the Wardlow appearance. And Wardlow, like each week, they have him beating up more and more people. And I think that that's really, really cool. Like he went through a, it, it had to be a solid dozen people before they did the eight people hold him down bit, right? Like it was about a dozen. Like it, it's going to get to a point where like they're just going to book out like an entire wrestling school full of scrubs for him, and that's going to be so sick. 
Then we had the best friend segment that we talked about. Trent still mad at uh, Wheeler Yuta. Uh, and then uh, the Eddie, Eddie segment. So we've, we've covered that also. We had a video recap of, why did I write this this way? <laughs> it's Hook and Dan Housen. I wrote Hook and Danielson, <laughs> which is a match that I would very much like to see. That sounds fun. Uh, and then the Jade segment, she introduced the baddies section. Then we had MJF and Spears backstage with Alex Marvez. Spears said, oink, oink, piggy. And MJF did a promo about how uh, he's going to beat Sean Dean up because he's a troop. Yeah, that was uh, that was the best healing. I mean, that was that was the, the he, most I've enjoyed MJF healing in a long time. Talking about, I'm going to injure you worse than you could have been. I'm going to give you a purple heart. Uh, did that baby face MJF for you, Aaron? Yes, absolutely. Uh, wow, big MJF fan. Momentous occasion I, on this show. I, I've said that for a long time uh, that I really like MJF. I think, especially his promos, are very good. And I'm looking forward to seeing more next week. Maybe they'll give him some more time. Only like 90 seconds here. (laughs) Um, We had the Hardys versus Butcher and Blade, which we talked about. I did just confirm that uh, they did not tell the rules to the the live crowd, which seems like a misstep. I mean, you know, (laughs) Justin Roberts is always vamping in the ad breaks and shit anyway. So make that... As clear as day to be like, this is why the blade's going to run through a table in the first 30 seconds of the match, and it's just going to keep going because otherwise they will not understand it. I mean, you already have one title with rules that require multiple uh, title cards. You might as well just throw one up saying you got to go through two tables if that's going to happen. You might as well. Uh, The AHFO came out. Sting made the save and uh, beat up a bunch of them with a bat. Jose, very sneakily, got by Sting while his back was turned. Yeah, I mean, Sting having the bat behind his back hidden in like a in like a a Casey Jones apparatus from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was sick. Uh, you know, that's an old classic. Uh, but maybe overshadowed by Jose the assistant. <laughs> begging off sting uh trying to get away from sting and then sneaking by sting when uh when the bunny was being used to human shield just as usual delightful stuff from tablet guy jose the assistant jose is really operating on a different level when we talk about flunkies at this point uh jungle express christian backstage segment that we talked about we had a Video building up the Thunder Rosa and Nyla Rose feud. Yeah, title match at Battle of the Belts. <laughs> yeah. Battle of the Belts. It's a thing. Uh, Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter were backstage with Tony Schiavone. And essentially, they are suggesting that the two of them will eventually meet in the Owen Hart tournament. Aaron, two stardom legends here. Uh, and they have never wrestled the singles match against each other, as best as I can tell. Not only that, they never faced each other in stardom, period. Right. In any match. We didn't uh, We didn't get your thoughts on the main pod about Tony Storm. Uh, one of your faves going back, joining yeah. the promotion. Big Tony Storm fan. 
uh, by electricity literally went out right before she came out while Thunder Rosa was promoing. So that was great. Uh, very upset about that. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. But, you know, I've been excited before when they brought in women and and nothing happened. So I, I want to have some hope that Tony is... Well, as Mike pointed out this morning on Light, she literally walked out on WWE when she got tired of of what she was doing there. So perhaps she is a, a force of nature that that won't be denied uh, in this division, and that's kind of my hope. Certainly has huge star power and charisma, and people uh, like her. She's usually over everywhere. So the only thing that's going to stop her from being excellent here is... Um, if they do to her what they do to everyone else in this division. <laughs> so, seems mm. likely. Treacherous. <laughs> yeah. But you're saying there's a chance. Uh, well, I'll tell you this. If they build to a Tony-Jamie match, you know, certainly as like a final uh, mm-hmm. in that tournament, the match is going to rock. So, that'll be fun anyway, regardless of any follow-up. It, it's insane that Jamie Hayter is not a pushed commodity in this promotion yeah i mean i don't uh, you know because she's in like a flunky role because she's you know Britt baker's enforcer and they've had her there and had her have her little thing with mercedes martinez and a little dissension in that group i guess i'm fine being patient for that because just because they break up so many other groups and teams up and down the show the rest of the time that if they just keep one together, I'm like, okay, that's something new. Um, but yeah, you know, when there's room to find someone to push in the women's division, she would be an obvious, you know, one, one, a one B candidate. Yeah. Great worker. Lots of charisma. Uh, good on the mic. There's just like, she doesn't have to break up with Brit. Uh, they can have a tag even, you know, like there's, Tons of stuff you could do with her. So I just, I don't understand that at all. Uh, the women's Owen qualifier with Akara Shida and Julia Hart. I guess we talked about this at some length, but uh, Shida won with the Falcon Arrow and then Serena Deeb came out. Well, we didn't talk about my favorite thing of the whole match and almost my elite pick of the night. Can I guess? You can guess. Julia mouthing her name at the start of the match. <laughs> yeah. You know, she didn't she didn't point to her own name, but she did say her name in kind of a creepy goopy way when she was making her entrance on the ramp. She she said it like the uh the Julia. Lakers guy. Yes. <laughs> Julia. Lakers. Julia. That's a J. That's a J. Julia. If if anyone doesn't know the Lakers guy holding up the necklace, I'm sorry for you um yeah so that i mean i spent the first half of this match making a gif of that so i could post it on the twitter um (laughs) and really my enjoyment from her saying her own name carried me through the rest of the match so yeah it was very good (laughs) now i'm watching the lakers guy (laughs) the uh (laughs) there's also there's lakers guy and there's lakers fans of course, yeah. Lakers fans, the guys who are at the end of every No Dunk podcast. Sure, the Lakers mm-hmm. bros. Yeah. Have you listened to that podcast with any recency, Aaron? I have not. 
I mean, those guys are so WWE pilled. It's disgusting. Ugh. It, I mean, it comes up every show now. It's, it's, Ugh. it makes me enjoy. I mean, not, it makes me enjoy them less, the NBA less. Um, Ariel Helwani was on, enjoy him less. Just distressing. Yeah, that's gross. You know, and Renee's even gone, so they have no excuse. Right. It's just a genuine love for the most stupendous two night WrestleMania in history. <laughs> some some people it's in love the ad reads. <laughs> they mentioned it in the ad reads, so then when they play the ad reads over and over again, you hear it every time. Disgusting. Some people just love touching the poop. I think I just yeah. Can't explain it. They were in the Warner. Maybe it's because Warner fired him. I guess that would be a an, uh, an excuse. Yeah. 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 I could see that. Maybe, maybe give him a pass. No, I will not. I will never give anyone a pass <laughs> for being a WWE fan. I will not. All right. Um, also, I thought this match was pretty good. I thought Julia acquitted herself well. Uh, Sheeta took care of her. A lot of people in the Discord did not like it, but I enjoyed it. I thought it got really good when Hikaru Shida did the magic thing, which is haul off and start really hitting. Yeah. You know, there were a little couple disconnect moments where, you know, Julia's coming off the ropes and Hikaru Shida turns to face her and they kind of get crossed up uh, for a second. And yeah, the way that they kind of solve that in Joshi a lot of the time is Shikita's like, well, I'm going to get this on track by just hitting you really hard. Um, And that's pretty reliable. We had a swerve, Shane Swerve Strickland backstage with Alex Marvez. Uh, his friends won some Grammys, so we already had some Grammy talk, but they won some That's Grammys. Right. Flash Garments, I think. It was not the, I, I haven't listened to Donda. It was not the Donda producer that also produces for K-pop, like in mix. KY was smartening me up on this in the Discord also, the Kanye producer that also does K-pop. KY has a lot of knowledge, frankly. I know. I enjoy it. Me too. Big fan. I'm, Big you KY know, fan. The, all the all the hardcore fans were uh, were sharing the K-pop YouTube videos in there the other day, and they were sampling them. It was uh, a sight to behold. Wow, sad. I missed that. Uh, Swerve though, he's going to get back at Hobbs and Starks. He walks into the dressing room, and Hobbs and Starks attack him from behind, and then. A wild Keith Lee appears and uh, does a pounce through the wall. Yeah, and they shot that, I think, pretty well where they just let Lee fill up the entire frame. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess this was pretty successful. Yeah, I mean, pouncing people through walls is objectively tight. So, And as Nate said, they framed it really well. So I thought that that was... Pretty good. A lot of back, a lot of backstage brawling this week. A lot of fighting. Right, but they had they had good props, or they had a nice little gimmick for each yeah. one. So, yeah, I mean, you had, you had like three backstage pre- uh, segments. One of them had a TV. The other one had a fake wall. So, I mean, everyone had everything. See, I did a Pokemon joke about you know, Keith Lee. I I noticed that, and I almost asked, "Do you know what reference you just made?" Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was. I mean, I don't know. But I know it's Pokemon related. How did you? Uh, what what caused you to bring that to the table here? 
Um, Keith Lee likes Pokemon. Oh, uh, yeah. He had Mewtwo on his Mewtwo. type. Mewtwo, yeah, Mewtwo for sure. Um, but what's the actual fucking, what's the actual phrase? A, a wild... Uh, whenever you encounter any wild Pokemon, the oh, it's message any. it gives you, yeah, is, you know, because there's a difference between trained Pokemon and wild Pokemon. Okay, well, I don't know, like, where this phrase came into my my life. I'm going to say Twitter. Probably. But, Nate, I don't know if you remember this, but when you... When we first started doing this podcast, you did not use a camera. And uh, one day we were doing this podcast. Boom. You turn on your camera. And then I said, a wild Nate appeared. <laughs> wow. That, of all the things to commit to memory. <laughs> but your own got... joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. That's pretty on brand for me. Let's be honest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that may have not even made it on the show. Like you probably did it before the right. started recording. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, well, we didn't do it for that long before I had a camera. Maybe like my month, five weeks. I don't know. I, I mean, I have a pretty good memory of all the dumb shit I've said uh, because I just think <laughs> like, fuck, that was dumb. Why did you why did you say that? So mm. I shouldn't remind the other people who have forgotten the dumb shit I said. So let's move on. <laughs> Ring of Honor, AAA tag titles on the line, FTR versus the Young Bucks. Uh, we did the little false fin- finish where uh, Hare had his foot on the rope. We had to restart the batch and bald pinned Matt after a BTE trigger kiss and big rig combo. I almost thought we were going to back you into a corner of picking this match for your lead, Aaron, but I guess <laughs> didn't reach that level for you. Um, yeah, but it the was- people in the Discord were really hoping that Aaron would address his thoughts past and present about FTR with this match, but we've gone well, an hour 15 before this. I, Aaron, I see what you pulled off this week. I uh, I mean, we know you like the FTR match in the Ring of Honor show, so there's no escaping that. Uh, this was another very strong match. Um, it didn't reach that height. It was not, you know, a match of the year candidate like that, that Briscoe's match was over the weekend, uh, but a very strong match. What was kind of remarkable about it, I thought, is you know, I don't know that they worked this um, dramatically differently than the Young Bucks, Young Bucks work a lot of their big featured tag matches. Like, you could probably go back to, like, their Santana and Ortiz match from uh, uh, 2020, no, 2019 on pay-per-view, and this is probably not dissimilar to that. Um, but what kind of carried this was FDR all of a sudden being super over his baby faces uh, and... I don't know, just seeming like they kind of have a new, a whole new life, a whole new lease on life because of it. Um, and I'm not totally sure how it happened, uh, but people bought into it. I mean, the, the Ring of Honor match probably helped. There's probably a lot of goodwill because that match with the Briscoes was so great. Um, but the crowd has been buying into FDR. I guess they've been hungry to cheer them or something. Uh, and I thought that really carried this match and, you know, gave – all the big FDR cutoffs and comebacks and stuff made the crowd pop super huge for those. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the catch on the outside of the ring, the the catch of the Meltzer driver, uh, all those things got huge reactions. And it seemed like it was because people really wanted FDR to retain these titles. Uh, and they and they did, which was maybe even a little bit of a surprise. So, yeah, this was a strong, strong finish to the show. Yeah, that catch of the Meltzer driver was insane. Uh 
I I think the the crowd was really milked to like the perfect level for FTR here that you're able to invert the usual expectation with like this kind of match and yeah I I don't think this is nearly I wouldn't put this on like the same tier close to it as the Ring of Honor match but this was a great TV main event I mean that they had another really solid match I mean FTR has had a hell of a week so far so yeah th- this was solid stuff and you know the the crowd played it on to all the big stuff and an unqualified success yeah, the the ring of honor match I, I don't know probably my favorite match of the year so far uh i'm gonna go with hangman danielson too oh yeah yeah i definitely like the tag better than that for sure wow there's uh was there blood yeah, I guess so. blood. yeah, it's a yeah. hangman title match. There was blood. No, I mean the tag <laughs> match. In the tag match, I think Matt. Yeah, there had was his... a little blood. Oh, in Ring of Honor, yeah, that the, okay, they were bleeding yeah. gusher there. But uh, tonight, yeah. uh, Matt had his mouth busted open. But it's also like April, and I have a hard time figuring out which matches came at the end of last year and which matches are from this year. So I'm sure I'm forgetting something. But I liked it a lot. Thought FGR was great. Uh, Jay Briscoe was great. So it was good. This match was, yeah, Young Bucks match. Um, it was good. There were fun spots. It was you know, The crowd was super into it. I I hate to be pumped the brakes guy, but let's see if not in front of this crowd, FTR is as over as they were in front of this crowd. Um, if they are, you know, good for them. I'll give them a little pat on the head because at 5'6", I'm probably taller than both of them. Uh, but I'll give him a little pat on the head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you say that's so weird? <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it is like the they're like huge fucking lifts on their boots have just always driven me crazy. It's like I've just mm. always hated it. That's um, interesting. Is this okay? No, I can't. Mm. I don't know if I can go down this road. Seems like it's probably. <laughs> Do it. I, okay. My, you know, my, ther- you know my, my therapist is on vacation this week, so I need it. You know, uh, have you guys watched a lot of Seinfeld? I mean, sure. Yeah. The the story where Kramer has a friend who's a little person actor, uh, and then he gets the surgery to be taller, and all the other little people actors just hate him and, and want to <laughs> kill him because he gets the artificial heightening surgery. Yeah. Yeah, same is thing. It, is it like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. I don't know. It's just when FTR first got really popular in the NXT days, I I never liked them, which I've been uh, clear about. I uh, never thought they were very good. And but then I would like kind of like when I was a kid, like I hated pop music. So if if someone liked whatever some shitty pop song i was it would make me so fucking mad you know just like oh how could anyone like that and like that's kind of so this, still... this was pre or post spice girls well spice girls were were good so i don't i don't really see the i don't really see okay. the connection there so this was this was while you were liking the spice girls i just want to get the timeline i've always liked the spice girls my entire life well it's there was never... a time you were alive before they existed i don't think so i think uh <laughs> all right I think we just, I think two became one is what I'm saying. Good song. Yeah, for sure. So 
it would just make me so mad that people liked them and they were like, oh, these guys are, they should be big stars. And I'm like, they're fucking 5'3". Like, no, they can't <laughs> be big stars. It's not going to happen. Shut your fucking face. And then they would wear like eight inch lifts in their boots or whatever to uh, to be taller. And it's just always funny to me. Um, it does it, kind of feel like this is the this is the most stars they've ever felt like right now. Uh, I mean, I guess I just said this on Patreon. So here's one thing I've come around on FTR is that they are great workers in that they have convinced old wrestlers that they work an old wrestling style uh, because all the old wrestlers put over FTR and they've convinced the fans that they're one of the best tag teams in the world over the past 10 years or whatever. And I don't all think- time. Yeah, and I don't think either of those things is true. So I, I got to give them a lot of credit for making a lot of people believe those two things. Right. Yeah, and I think what, what TJ said was right. That's, yeah, that's a big part of wrestling is convincing yourself that or convincing people that you're good and that goes a long way. And yeah, they've definitely done that. Yeah. So it's it's just they don't they often just don't work a style. Like the style with the Briscoes I really liked. Uh, this match is just a match I've seen a lot. So it was good. Good TV match. Crowd was crazy. So that's good. Uh, it was fun. A lot of the near falls were very fun because the crowd was so into it. Um, but yeah, not not necessarily my style of match. I do want to call out one spot, which the Young Bucks do, you know, almost every time. Uh, where they throw a guy over and then they both do backhand springs and, and do a drop kick to the guy while he's seated. And every year, Matt Jackson has come closer to just flipping over and landing the top of his head while doing this spot because he doesn't put his arms out to do the handspring until basically the last possible second when he's almost (laughs) hitting his head on the mat. Uh, And this was maybe the worst it's ever been. They did it twice in a row. And both times they do a flip and Nick Jackson, you know, does backflip, puts his hands over and flips back up onto his feet and does a drop kick. And Matt is like a quarter of an inch from disaster. And then his hands go out and he, and it doesn't look like a back handspring even. It looks like he's about to injure himself. Um, And yeah, that's weird. (laughs) All right. That's keep an eye out. Good place to end (laughs) talking about dynamite, I suppose. Listeners, that's your action item for next week. Keep an eye out for that back handspring. Absolutely. <laughs> Please do. Uh, that was Dynamite. If you like our show, support us. Go to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. A lot of content, baby. Uh, we talked about light, which we do every week where we preview Dynamite, talk about dark and elevation. We do world tour. Man, the discourse on this week's episode of world tour, a fever pitch, um, maybe the most discussion we've ever had about any podcast episode in our discord uh tj hawk a friend of the show was a guest and you know some people liked him more people hated him (laughs) (laughs) i liked him it was fun yeah i think people who have interacted with tj liked his appearance on the podcast and people who haven't uh probably just not familiar enough with how TJ is to have developed an enjoyment of it. Yeah. It's probably fair. 
yeah anyway it was i thought it was a, a very good episode i was very happy with it and i a lot of people liked it some people didn't uh but if you don't like negative takes we had mr positivity himself i've started the show but i haven't been able to finish it yet mania weekend talk with murder brian i mean just the fucking star power on our patreon this month out of this world that's right a lot of Rhett titus talk on there ring of honor show reviewed um check it out romantic touch he looks insane etc <laughs> everything you know and love <laughs> it was great champion uh, of the month poll up now for the month of march that's right how's it looking this month nate well i, uh, I heard we have a chance for adam page to be dethroned is that still possible no he's pulled away from jonathan gresham a little bit uh you know Kazuyuki Fujita is still very much in the mud. The real battle this month looks like it's going to be between World of Stardom Champion Siri and the new AEW Women's World Champion Thunder Rosa. That's a, a matter of one or two votes. So get out there and, and make your voices heard for who the real world champion is. I agree. You should do that. Uh, we have some other fun stuff coming up uh, this month. I know Mike and I are are preparing to do This Is Sting Part 2, where we'll talk about uh, basically 1990 to 1999. Thing I underrated, uh, how many, how if you're going to cover 90 to 99 and you'd like to read Observers for notes, that is 10 years of Observers. <laughs> and I'm a dumbass, so I read all of I read every one, just in case there's just some fun note that I would have otherwise missed out on. Uh, so... Yeah, it's a lot of work, but we're going to have that. And we also have a Discord, so uh, it's a lot of fun. And and Mike, you're you're planning on a uh, show? Yeah, I've got a tea break lined up. Am I supposed that... to say it or, or not? I don't no, know. I, I, I'm still formulating it. I want to get okay. a tea break out in April. It's still steeping. Ooh. It's still steeping. You, you know, it still might be, we still might be drying out the leaves, to be quite honest. It's still early in the process. Yeah, so join up. Uh, we'll have plenty more content this month at patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, this weekend on World Tour, I believe it is Nate and Mike talking about Rampage from Boston, Massachusetts at the Aganis Arena. Let me, let me try. Aganis. Aganis. Agassi Arena. <laughs> I was a big Agassi fan. I think we've talked about that before. I'm sure for Rampage Grand Slam, we did. Oh, yeah. How Ag could you not be? Of course. I hated Sampras, so I was an Agassi yeah, guy. a dork. Big fucking dork. Yeah, exactly. Imagine having two Americans be the top in tennis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. You have one that's cool and one that's a dork. Peter. Running hated, the game. I hated Federer, too. Yeah, I mean, Federer's just just evolved Pete Sampras, yeah. Yeah. Swiss Pete, uh, yeah. Uh, Danielson versus Trent on Rampage this weekend. Mox versus Yuta. Uh, Owen Qualifier. Willow Nightingale's back to uh, wrestle Red Velvet. And Swerve Strickland takes on QT Marshall. It's like some early good buzz on uh, the Moxley versus Yuta match. Mm, that's good. Uh, we also, I, we, I'm sorry, I go ahead, Mike. 
I was going to say, interesting, like, with, like, the four-match Rampage, how, you know, probably two squash matches, it feels like, unless they're going to have Yuta kind of, you know, put up a fight. Just interesting. I guess to me. Yeah. We got to stop doing four matches on Rampage. Let's get back to three matches. Yeah, because the, that's the thing with the four matches, and if two of them are going to be squash matches, then why not just have three matches and one squash so people can remember that one squash a little bit better? You know? Give us I agree. time. I can't believe for once we're talking about giving AEW yeah, matches agree. more I, uh, time. I'm fine with four matches if you're going to have squashes in there. It's fine. Uh, then next week on Dynamite, they're in New Orleans. They'll have for the Ben's World title a Texas death match with Adam Cole versus Adam Page. That's a rampage, I believe. No, that's is oh that's right. I believe that that's, is what they yeah, said, yeah. isn't it? The live rampage. Yeah, I'm live sorry. rampage at the Caldwell Center. Okay, and I have no idea what show the trios matches on then with Eddie. I think King's that's Dynamite. Santana that is Dynamite, yes. Versus Jericho Hager Garcia. That's on Dynamite. So I got one thing right. Uh, Mike and I will preview that show. Actually, no, I think I will preview that show. Yep, I think that uh, I'll be on assignment next week, so that'll be you. Goddamn. So look forward to that. It'll be me uh, previewing Dynamite next week uh, on Light on our Patreon. So go sign up. Uh, all right. I think that's it. We're on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. If you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a rating slash review uh, and go to Patreon. Sign up. Uh, for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Okay.